0: Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 7.08 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, February the 12th, 2022. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. I am, of course, Reese Boyd, local attorney here in Myrtle Beach with the firm of Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the program. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite Coffee, join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in this crazy world, all the things that we think you need to know, and goodness, do we have a lot to cover today here at Saturday Morning Coffee. As you guys know, we are all about lower taxes, limited government, all the things that mean more freedom, more freedom, folks, freedom. How important is freedom? We're watching that question unfold right before our eyes. How important is freedom to you? How is how important is it to me? Uh, how important is it to uh, several thousand Canadian truckers? Seems very important to them. It's very important to all of us, whether we realize it or not. Um, we've got a country to save, folks. As I say every Saturday morning, and it starts right here in this studio, right around your kitchen table, your car, wherever you are listening to the to the sound of my voice, so let's get right to it. We invite you to settle in with your uh, favorite cup of Java and your newspaper, if you have one, join us as we help you get your Saturday morning going. Joined here in the studio this morning, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. Dr. Dye, how are you?
2: Very good. Reese, how are you this morning?
1: Um, well, you know, we've got a little bit of a misfire this morning, dun, but dun, uh, dun. we'll get through it. You yeah. know, and it's a, it's a Saturday morning coffee first, Glenn. Somehow, I walked off from the house my radio backpack that has the yeah, show in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sitting, it's sitting on the uh, kitchen floor at, uh, uh, so we'll, uh, we're winging it this morning here on Saturday morning coffee. So I'm having an interesting Saturday morning. How was your, how's your Saturday been good. so far?
2: Well, so far so good, but so far, um, so good. Yeah, and I didn't forget my laptop. Uh-huh. Um, you need, like I say, I think it's one, that's uh, a Microsoft program where you can access your laptop or other computers from anywhere on any computer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, got that capability yeah. but i can only do that through my devices like i don't know how to log right, in right, right. to the internet right. and uh through the web browser and access i, I probably can but anyway uh, it's uh we'll, we'll we'll get by folks we'll uh, figure it out we uh, i do have the show up here i'm tapping my head for those of you who are watching um so we'll get we'll get there um how's carol doing y'all uh, we're uh in the midst of uh, Valentine's Day season, it's February twelfth. So we are. You got any plans?
2: We do. We have uh, dinner planned for this evening because Monday night we will not go out to dinner.
1: <laughs> uh, oh well, very good. Dinner. Very good. A lot of people. A lot of people are having dinner uh, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday night will be the official observation of Valentine's Day, but a lot of folks are uh, going out to dinner this weekend. I saw on Facebook quite a few people went out to dinner last night. Yeah. So happy Valentine's Day to everybody! By the way, we were not in the studio last week. Right a little scheduling difficulty. Sometimes the practice of law folks gets in the way of my radio excursions and Saturday morning coffee and all this. We had a little scheduling issue last week. So we were on a repeat, a best of Saturday morning coffee last week. Hope y'all enjoyed that. But we, uh, we did, we're not in the studio. I was going to talk about the fact that we are, we were sort of halfway between groundhog day and Valentine's. Now Valentine's is here. Right. Um, But, uh, Did you catch Groundhog Day this year? I noticed this morning on the way into the office that Guy Benson, the Guy Benson, Mm -hmm. speaking of tape delay, was uh, a repeat of his Groundhog Day episode, and they were talking about uh, what happened in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania for this Groundhog Day, and uh, the fact that the the groundhog, Phil, Mm -hmm. uh, did in fact see his shadow, so he predicted six more weeks of winter. I'm kind of sick of winter, Glenn.
2: Well, Guy Benson, wanted to drive a steak through. the <laughs> I heard that this morning. Yeah, yeah
1: he was. He but. was. Uh, he was channeling uh, Bill Murray. Yeah, he's yeah. like, do they
2: do they live in trees? Yeah, I didn't know groundhogs lived in trees.
1: He was channeling yeah. Bill Murray, I think, and claiming to be ignorant of the whole thing. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he had prepped uh, w- with Bill Murray's material yeah. because he was definitely channeling. Bill he was taking a cynical view of the whole Groundhog Day phenomenon. And, of course, his sidekick, I forget her name, uh, uh, but she was sort of channeling the Andy McDowell character from Groundhog Day because she was all, you know, she was all into it and sentimental about it. But uh, in in any event, do you... uh, have you ever been to Pennsylvania for Groundhog Day?
2: Oh, no, to watch that? No, I would not. No, I'm no. not wasting.
1: I will time. say this. I will say this. I heard you say waste, so I know what <laughs> I know what your thought is going to be. Ever since I saw the movie Groundhog Day, it has been on my bucket list okay. at some point. I don't know when this will happen, but at some point, I would like to go. I would like to be in Puxatawney, PA, Pennsylvania, okay. for Having I mean, your hot
2: chocolate or coffee there. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah.
1: Looking for Bill Murray and Andy McDowell, yeah. of course. But, uh, yeah, I would like to do that at some point. It's on my bucket list. I'm not sure when that will happen. Now,
2: see, uh, the 9-11 memorial would be more my speed uh, in, if I was to go to Pennsylvania. That, that's on my bucket list. Yeah, well, actually, that. I've
1: got um, you know several. Actually, one of our paralegals, Kathy, is from Pennsylvania, and I've talked to her about a few of these places. Uh, the Shanksville. Yeah. Memorial. I've never been there. I haven't either. Yeah. That's uh, on my bucket list, and I'm told that there's some pretty good skiing in Pennsylvania that I've never tried. I have
2: Camelback Mountain. I've I've done some skiing. Really? And, yeah, in the okay. Poconos. Um, yeah,
1: that's exactly yeah. Poc- the Poconos. Yeah. So I it's we've got kind of a got
2: a lot of great memories. A
1: long Pennsylvania weekend on our bucket list. You know,
2: uh, you're talking about being tired of winters. My dad, according to my dad, February 19th is when spring hits. So you're only seven days away here in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. You know, we really do start turning the corner at the end of February. We have a very short winter here. And, yeah, it's been a little cold this winter. But, you know, from where a lot of the people are from in the north and out, you know, it's not bad at all. Oh, no. Not for, bad at all. A couple of days of freezing temperatures, I can handle that.
1: For us, this has been a little chilly. Mm-hmm. For us here on right. the coast, South Carolina, right. this has been this has been kind of a chilly winter. I've I, kind of felt the chill more than I recall more than I like more than I usually experience. I'm ready for spring, ready for summer, but for people who are from New York or Pennsylvania, they're like, please.
2: I came from Kent Island, Maryland, right? Yeah. The Chesapeake Bay would freeze over in the winter time because oh, yeah. of, of yeah. sustained freezing temperatures. And there's no windier place on earth as far as I'm concerned than the Chesapeake Bay. That's why it's the sailing capital of the world. Yeah. You know, but it is windy and cold in the winter time.
1: Well, um, uh, And I actually lived in Boston for three seasons, Uh, Glenn. I did three winters in Boston, and I just said, I'm done. I I can't do. My my blood is not thick enough to uh, sustain these winters. So, uh, folks, uh, by the way, in addition to Valentine's Day, we've got the Super Bowl uh, coming up. You got Mm -hmm. any any, – what's your interest level?
2: Uh, My interest level is high. Uh, Really? I I want to – well, sure. I want to – I want to take some food over, uh, maybe see if my brother and my sister want to come over and watch it with Dad. Oh, very um, good. Dad's 89, Yeah, and um, I'd like to watch the Super Bowl with him tomorrow.
1: Well, you know, the uh, the mere fact that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl <laughs> is yet another sign that the end times are upon yeah. us. Never won a Super Bowl. And uh, so it'll be a clear omen in my mind that the end times are here if the Bengals win. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, it's uh, I don't really care who wins i am pulling for the bingles but I'm, I'm not really pulling i'm not i'm not really opposed to the rams winning but right i mean frankly i just i've just kind of given up on the nfl glenn i just i don't i just don't care about the nfl anymore so uh we're going to a gathering with some friends there's going to be a a hog that uh is going to be barbecued so i'm oh, excited really? about that wow, about yeah. a, pig roast? a pig a pig picking huh. so i'm excited about that but the football just uh, the nfl When they started mixing politics with football, you've heard me say this, folks, a hundred times on the show. I'll say it again. When you mix politics with football, you get politics. When you mix politics with medicine, you get politics. When you mix politics with science, you get politics. And the NFL has succeeded in mixing politics with football. And what they now have is politics. And I don't like their politics. And so it's very hard for me to, I mean, I've had this conversation with Tom Heron. Speaking of which, Tom Heron will be joining us a little bit later in the show. Uh, had this conversation with Tom Heron many times. I watch a little football in secret uh, because I just love the game. Right. But I, it is excruciatingly difficult to stomach the NFL right now. I mean, it just, I, I don't even like to be, I, and I would never tell if I know they're tracking me or anybody from Arbitron ever calls me, Nielsen ever calls me, no, I haven't watched a football game in years because I can't stand those people. Right. So, I mean, it's just, uh, for me, it's not something I want to, you know.
2: I take in very admit, little NFL. Admit, admit. Yeah, but very I, little. But when I do, the playoffs, I mean, we saw some exciting games two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. This was, very exciting. This was
1: actually one of the best, I would say one of the best playoff seasons mm-hmm. in, in memory.
2: Remember, and you were talking about they shouldn't just win the game over a flip of a coin, and then,
1: there. then next
2: week, <laughs> There you go. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So, folks, a lot to talk about uh, today. We've got the ongoing uh, Canadian Freedom Convoy trucker saga ongoing. Your freedom being fought for on the streets of Ottawa, Canada. Uh, don't uh, don't forget that it's your freedom that's at stake. That much more to talk about. We're going to be joined later in the program by representative bill taylor going to be talking about an attorney general opinion that he requested we're also going to be talking to rick Brondrett, uh from the nerve about various things and our own jimmy richardson is going to join us so a lot to talk about here this morning on saturday morning coffee and hopefully at some point i'll have a laptop stick with us we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors i'm reese boyd that's glenn Dye. don't leave town
0: Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5.
3: Liz Calloway here for Conway Ford, your hometown dealership. Buying a vehicle is a big decision. You spent hours online researching vehicles, reading reviews, and now you're ready to buy. Conway Ford makes your buying experience easy and stress-free. Over 100 pre-owned vehicles in stock and new inventory arriving daily. Conway Ford's buying experience is easier than their competitors, and they guarantee it. For the best buying experience, take the short drive to Conway Ford. Exceeding expectations every day.
1: Hi everybody, it's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty. And Greg, if you represent a seller in this market, how do you help them determine what the right listing price is in a market such as this?
4: To determine the right listing price today, you have to look at the current pendings that are comparable. We don't even need to look at the closed sales because that's in the past. In an upward trending market that's going up this quickly, we look at homes that are on the market that are for sale or have just gone pending, and that's what we're basically our pricing on, but you have to be careful not to overprice. When the home is on the market for more than 25 to 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So you got to be careful not to overprice it.
1: Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand.
0: Thanks for waking up with Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk
5: 94.5. Uh, breaker 1-9, nine, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to flag town. Come on. Yeah, that's a big tin for there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we've got us a convoy. Was the dark of the moon on the sixth of June in a Kenworth pulling logs? Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10 about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, Pigpen, this here's a rubber duck, and I'm about to put the hammer down. Cause we
6: got a little time for it, through the night. Yeah, we got a little convo and she a
4: beautiful sight.
1: Good morning everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee 723 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on the program Little Convoy. We got us a big old convoy here on Saturday Morning Coffee this morning. Little shout out to all those truckers fighting for truth justice and the Canadian way on the other side of the border and American truckers on uh, this side of the border doing the same thing, folks, and it's uh, an ongoing saga and it's uh, something that we all need to be paying attention to. Praying for those guys and also supporting them. And, you know, they're trying to take uh, away their gas. Mm-hmm. They're trying to take away their firewood. They are trying to take away their money. The go- the uh, Canadian government is attempting to, uh, you know, GoFundMe already uh, distanced itself uh, from the effort, refused to raise money for the Freedom Truckers of Canada. Uh, Give sin go stepped in started a fundraising campaign or hosted a fundraising campaign for them. Now the Canadian government is seeking to uh, to uh, seize those funds, and uh, Give sin go to its credit said uh, no sorry you're not uh, we're not subject to your jurisdiction. So, and they're determined to get money to the convoys one way or the other. Freedom convoy protesters stay on bridge all night. Police crackdown never happens. Uh, this update from Fox News. Convoy of Canadian truckers protesting vaccine mandates remain blocking the Ambassador Bridge connecting Michigan to Ontario early Saturday morning, despite a court order Friday night for them to move by 7 p.m. and a warning from Canadian police to move by midnight or they would be subject to fines and arrest. Um, Ontario Uh, Premier Doug Ford on Friday declared a state of emergency in response to the ongoing ambassador bridge blockade and the protest in Ottawa against the coronavirus extensions. Um, Police had said, as we noted that the protesters needed to move by midnight or they could be subject to fines or arrest. So, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, One of the things that this, this started as a dispute, obviously, uh, what got the truckers going initially was whether they could move across the border without showing a vaccine passport. Right. And, but this is about so much more. Now this has become a symbolic fight folks. And this is a fight. They're not just fighting for themselves, but they're fighting for us and their
2: children and their grandchildren. Yeah. As one of the truckers said.
1: Yeah. And so this is um, a serious, uh, this is a serious question. This, what this really boils down to Glenn is who is going to, to run society. Are the people going to be able to choose their own destiny or are we going to be run by a culture of elites, by bureaucrats and administrators who tell us what's best for us and have the authority to order us to do what they want us to do. And that's a, that is a deep and fundamental question. And I want to remind you all that if they can take the rights away from Canadian truckers or American truckers—they you may not drive a truck for a living, but that doesn't matter. This is about I, this is about whether you have the right to determine how you're going to live your life and what you're going to do with your body, and and if you don't have control over those things, nothing else really matters.
2: And overreach of the government.
1: Yeah, it's 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 from the beginning, uh, Glenn. We have said that this pandemic has been used Mm -hmm. by our government, by these governments, by the Canadian government, and Trudeau is showing his true colors. I mean, these people are showing you who they are. I mean, what the pandemic has done has given them an excuse to extrapolate, extend their authority way beyond what they were able to do in normal times and they've enjoyed that oh and it's trickled down not just with the president
2: or the administration but school boards and it trickles down to yeah. where everybody felt empowered to do whatever they needed to do exactly no matter what the parents say
1: exactly what tell me show me a government official an administrator a bureaucrat who doesn't like having authority it's right. like, it's it's like that old joke about you know when the hurricane comes to the coast it's the one day where the guys at emergency preparedness get to call the shots and the government the governor goes down and they all act like you know and and that's fine we need those people but mm. it's the power that comes under the circumstances of that emergency and 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 it's a very heady thing and that's what this pandemic has been this pandemic has been a a a heady period for the Anthony Faucis of the world it's been an it's been an opportunity for government to greatly expand its power. And government is always going to do that when it has the opportunity. I mean, you look at,
2: we can go, we, well, not just us, but in other cities, people have can go to a restaurant and they have to wear a mask until they get sitting down. And then once they sit down, they can take their mask off and visit with their friends, you know, for an hour or two. But kids, little kids can't be unmasked in school to be with their friends for 15 minutes. Yeah. On the reef on, you know, out out of recess.
1: And I want to remind y'all of the words that we always fall back on. You can always fall back on the following. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And what has happened here as is your government has attempted to alienate Many of these rights, they've used the pandemic as artifice, an excuse, subterfuge, an opportunity to alienate from from you many of these rights. Excellent point, Glenn. If you're a six year old, how do you pursue happiness? Do you pursue happiness by donning a mask eight hours a day, whether it does any good for you or not, and sitting in a plexiglass cubicle right. from sun up to right. sundown? Is that the way a six year old pursues happiness? No. Obviously not. If you're a 45 year old and you've spent 20 years pouring your life and your savings into a let's say it's a pizza restaurant business, a business. And it's everything that you've worked for. And the government comes to you and says, we need you to shut this thing down, because if people come to your restaurant out of their own free will and volition and some of them get sick, well, that's going to be on you. So we need you to shut this place down for the greater good. Is that the pursuit of happiness? No,
2: I I believe that this country has been bamboozled bigger than anything in our history. Um, But you also now have them fighting, trying to get kids five and under vaccinated. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I, I heard a statistic this morning. Three out of 10 parents will get their kids vaccinated that are under five or six. I forget what it is, five or six years old. Are you kidding me? You would take an experimental drug, a vaccine, and put it into your infant child, not knowing the consequences down the road.
1: Well, Um, and interestingly enough, Pfizer is now uh, backtracking away from uh, that uh, application for authorization for uh, use at such a young age. and. And what's interesting to me, I've got a clip. If we get a, t- a chance uh, today, we'll, we'll play it. We've got, as I said in the, earlier in the show, we've got quite a few guests. But, you know, it's amazing to me how this – remember, Glenn, this started as two weeks to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. Now we're at basically two years, yeah. within a couple of months of two years. And I think what uh, the truckers were the, were the first ones to sort of stand up and say, wait a minute. The, the science is falling apart. We now know that the mask thing is a complete sham. Masks do essentially nothing. Uh, The the vaccine is is in its current configuration not particularly effective, Um, and so the gig is up. And people realize that the emperor has no clothes. And I think they said, "Look, enough is enough. We are ready. We want our lives back. We want to be able to pursue happiness on our terms. Uh, We've had enough." And and it's more important, folks, than just whether or not these truckers get to enter the states uh, from Canada and go back, vice versa. It's it's more important than that, I can assure you, because it, it's if they can take the freedoms from any of us, uh, they can take the freedoms from all of us. And uh, so uh, Bill murr of all folks, I've always been amazed at some of the things that he has said, but he was on. Uh, He said they're not wrong to be ticked off at elites. And again, this this has become a question of who is going to call the shots. Mm -hmm. Are we are we going to be a society? Are we going to be a a free and independent people? Or are we going to be ruled by administrators and bureaucrats and politicians? Yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, what's happening this week, again, this is Bill Maher on uh, his uh, special. What's happening this week, it looks like, is people are understanding that this is something more than just the vaccine mandate, Maher said. Uh, It's becoming a big thing. It's happening all over the world now. They're thinking it might happen here in Washington on Super Bowl Sunday. Obviously, they think there may be some disruptions uh, for the Super Bowl. Uh, But people are understanding that this is more than just the vaccine mandate. Woke, Inc. author Vic Vivek Ramaswi agreed, telling Mayor it's about the uprising of everyday citizens against this managerial class in democracies around the world. These are the unelected class leaders that ultimately, I think, are using the bureaucratic power to supplant the will of everyday uh, people, not only Americans, but Canadians and Western Europeans also. And that's why we're seeing a fusion of both the left and the right here saying, actually, we want our voices heard. We want to be able to speak without fear of putting food on the dinner table. A girl and her family uh, yeah, is talking about their passing out notes to the truckers. And uh mayor asked himself why truckers specifically were organizing such a protest and went on to answer his own question by pointing out that they were the ones making the deliveries to people working uh, from home during the pandemic. They were the heroes of the pandemic, Glenn. And now they are being uh vilified, vilified yeah. ridiculed it's as like
2: the, just like the healthcare workers that yeah. were on the front lines heroes and then they didn't want to get the vaccine for some reason. You yeah. know, and and it looks like booster vaccination has just fallen off a cliff. Like do you know anybody that's now running out and getting vaccinated? No, boosted? I don't.
1: I don't either. I don't. And um you know, and it's not so It's interesting because they're being vilified, but I want to, the truckers are being vilified, but I want to remind everybody of the double standards that are being used. People would have you believe that what happened on January 6th was an insurrection and that we very nearly lost the republic on January 6th, as if. The uh, the gentleman that was dressed like Elmer Flood, what was yeah. his name? The shaman, yeah. uh, uh, w- the uh, shaman, the QAnon shaman yeah. was going to declare a military dictatorship and the army would just fall in line and democracy would collapse. I mean, it was a silly. It's a silly suggestion. It was, it was a, a riot. It was a riot yeah. that got out of hand. Yeah. That's, and, 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 it, and, it, and it happened to have happened in the U.S. Capitol. But, but some people were waved in, and, and what we've done to those people is un, is is inexcusable. But look at the way we've labeled those people, and they're, and it's become a cottage industry on the left to convince us that that was an insurrection. But right. they don't say anything about the Summer of Love 2020, the BLM riots. Mm-hmm. They don't care about that anymore mm-hmm. because that, that doesn't matter to them. And they're now trying to convince us that these truckers— in Ottawa, on the streets of Ottawa and on the Ambassador Bridge are are terrorist yeah. and they're racist and they're yeah. insurrectionists. Yeah. And they, they love that word. And I feel like the guy in uh, in The Prince's Bride who said, you know, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. They keep using the word insurrection and I don't yeah. think they know what it means. It's it's really unbelievable, folks. But it is a it is a complete double standard. How many buildings have been burned down in Ottawa, Glenn? I don't know. How many post offices? How many courthouses? Too many to count. Yeah. So uh, we need to be supporting these folks and, and doing everything we can do to help them and praying for them, folks, uh, because this is an important moment. And it, it matters to you and it matters to me. It matters to all of us. It's uh, the Freedom Truckers of Canada and your Convoy update, folks. This is Saturday Morning Coffee. And after these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with a lot more. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Die. Don't leave town.
2: Convoy came out in 1975. Wow. I knew it was not holding. I still have the album. Do you really? Yeah, it's like
0: fifteen-year-old. Oh, this Thanks is
3: a great. This is a great
0: song. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk ninety four point five. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk ninety four point five.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, and it is 741 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on the show. One more thing I wanted to say. We've been talking about the Canadian Freedom Truckers and the convoy and the occupation of the Ambassador uh, Bridge uh, linking uh, Michigan and Ontario. wanted to say one other thing about this. You know, this reminds me, there's been speculation that Trudeau and, and – and, uh, Others in the government will crack down on these. Well, they've said they're going to crack down. Um, but it reminds me of th- this situation reminds me of you remember the bonus army. Glenn, does that ring a bell? Wow. This little history quiz here on Saturday Morning Coffee, folks. I don't know if you all know that. Remember the bonus army in 1932? I remember learning this in, in history class in school, uh, men standing in the Anacostia Bonus Army Encampment. There was something uh, throughout its history. uh, Washington, D.C. has been a a destination of demonstrations seeking to promote a wide variety of causes. Most of the time, the gatherings have been peaceful. Uh, One exception to this was the Bonus Army March of 1932. The Bonus Army was a group of 43,000 demonstrators made up of 17,000 veterans of the U.S. in World War I, together with their families and affiliated groups, who gathered in Washington, D.C. in mid 1932 uh, to demand early cash redemption of their service bonus. And uh, Hoover, president at the time, allowed uh, a, a real violent suppression of those individuals, those protesters. And many of them, I think quite a few of them were killed. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But this situation reminds me of that. I think if 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 Trudeau or any of the provincial governments in Canada or the Biden administration, I think if anybody really uh, comes down violently, I mean, people are starting to, you're hearing uh, media commentators say, oh, go slash their tires. I mean, this is really... This is really there's an undertone here that is really ugly.
2: Yeah, T- uh, CNN called it a temper tantrum, I believe, Yeah. Yeah, they're
1: trying to backpedal. Yeah. But the fact is that's where their heart is. That's where their heart is. They don't they, they 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 look down their nostrils at these people and they're willing to be violent in my opinion if that's what it takes to maintain the status quo. And the status quo, Glenn, is the elites call the shots. Right. We people like you and me and the rest of us, we just dutifully listen to Dr. Fauci and his ilk. And when he tells us to go get the jab, uh, we put on our pants and we go drive down to the, to the local CVS and we get our shot. And that's the way they want the world to work. And they don't have they have essentially no tolerance for anything else. Right. And, and I think before they let that world slip away and it is slipping away, by the way, it's like I always say on the show, folks, the natural state is freedom. The natural state of man is to be free. We were not built to be told by Dr. Fauci or anybody else what to do. And we will only tolerate it for so long. And they said, hey, two weeks, flatten the curve, back to normal. That was two years ago, Glenn. Yep. And people, truckers, all of us, I'm talking to doctors, folks. Doctors are calling me at my office uh, to complain about the fact that that they are being told how to practice medicine. And they don't feel free to practice medicine in the way that they believe they should. Right, And they're like, what can we do about this? Here's what I'm up against. and And people are fearful. And people, we are not supposed to live in fear. Folks, when you live in a free society, you don't live in fear. The Bible tells us not to live in fear. And if we're living in fear, something is wrong. But let's move on got we've got rick brundrett with the nerve who's going to be joining us here bring him on brundrett is on the line rick good morning how are you good morning reese how are you doing i'm good i got on a little bit of a roll i get wound up sometimes on saturday morning coffee <laughs>
2: i have to reel him in yeah yeah glenn had to remind
1: me that you're uh you're uh you're we're over and you're on the line so thank you uh glenn for that that's why we have glenn here keep us on track uh I wanted to get you back on the show. Of course, uh, Rick, you are with The Nerve. The Nerve.org is where we find you online. And you guys are, uh, all as always, uh, doing great work in Colombia and keeping an eye on what's happening in the General Assembly. You guys are probably one of a handful of groups, maybe count them on less than five fingers, that actually do uh, real, what I call investigative journalism in Colombia and try to keep our uh, legislators and, and our government in, in check and so you, you provide an invaluable service. Of course, the the nerve is affiliated with the South Carolina Policy Council that I've been a fan of and a supporter of for many years. And uh, But you, you're sort of the independent journalism wing of the Policy Council, and you guys do great work. And you've been on the show, of course, a few times. And lately I was reading some stories that just caught my attention. You guys wrote a story about uh, South Carolina still has hundreds of bad bridges and roads despite uh, the hike in the gas tax that we all had to uh, – Uh, strike that, that we all were subjected to uh, back in, I think, 2016. Hasn't seemed to have made much of a difference. I read that and I thought, hmm, that's an interesting take. And then uh, you uh, wrote another interesting story this week about uh, Boeing and Volvo benefiting from a secret infrastructure program that apparently hasn't been fully and completely disclosed in the budget documents that the Commerce Department has submitted to the legislature. And then uh, I thought, well, that's very interesting. I, I need to chat with Rick about that. And then you wrote a story also this week about lawmakers secretly nominating an ex-legislator for a judge's seat, and that came about right here in O'Ree County. So I thought, well, it's definitely time uh, to get Rick back on the line and get him back on the show, because all of those are very interesting, and certainly uh, one of them deals directly with O'Ree County. So you've been busy lately, What's, uh, but uh, where, where shall we start? How about the? Uh, let's talk about the, the gas tax real quick. Um, sure. What's so uh, what, well, uh, you know, I, just as a refresher, I ran for the Senate in 2016 and I, I opposed the gas tax hike. And I said at the time, if we agree to this, we're all going to be paying more at the pump. And I don't think it's going to make a difference in our roads. And so when I read these stories, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I thought so. So what do you what's your take on it? What's going on? Well, we're dealing with the
7: gas tax. The the problem was, is as you pointed out, lawmakers, when they pushed this through, it took effect on July first 2017 uh raised the uh, state gasoline tax um you know two cents every year for six years 12 cents per gallon okay and they promised at the time that this money would be used to fix our bad roads and bridges well you know when you start looking at how it's actually being spent and i look every month at their uh, dot's uh, monthly spending reports um you're seeing that a lot of this money is being used for other things than what lawmakers promised. Which, bottom line, is uh, can explain in part why our bad roads, bad roads and bridges aren't getting fixed. So um, uh, I reported that last week that we now um, have a essentially a billion dollar surplus. Um, from this gas tax uh, all this gas tax hike revenue um, that hasn't been spent uh, and the money's coming in a whole lot faster um, than they're spending it on fixing the bad roads and bridges. And so I focused last week just on a little bit on the bridge side of it. Um, I hadn't written about it in a while and took a look at their figures and at least their own their own reports are showing and analyzing them that, only three bad bridges, um, have been what you know, completed, fixed, um, since the gas tax hike took effect yep. and, um, they've identified, uh, you know, 16 projects, which is really a small portion of the 465 bridges that they say need to be replaced. So they've got what they call a 10 year plan, uh, $1.5 billion to replace bridges and, but they're only using a small part of the gas tax hike money for that. Um, They've only got so far designated about $18 million for that. So obviously you're not going to get a lot of bridges fixed when you're not designating it. So what are they using the money for besides uh, not spending it? Well, um, they're spending, you know, uh, at least designating well over a quarter of a billion dollars, the widening interstates, which a lot of folks say, Hey, we need to have some wider interstates. If you've ever driven, you know, I-26 between Columbia and Charleston or I-95, you know, going, you know, into Georgia um, or uh, for those uh, in Columbia, Malfunction Junction, all that stuff, they say was definitely needed. The problem is, is that's not what the gas tax hike money was promised for. It was promised to fix existing bad roads and bridges yeah. and not not for
1: interstate when, when this was debated rick i was on the campaign trail having this debate with various folks and uh, that was a question that came up and we were told they said you know every time you go to the the mechanic to get your front end aligned it costs x number of dollars so really paying a few cents of the, more at the pump for more quality better roads is really a good investment because the roads will be better and you'll spend less time at the shop and you'll have fewer mechanics. I mean, that was essentially one of the arguments. And I don't think the the roads are certainly not in Ory County. I don't think they're significantly better now than they were then. And you're, and these well, numbers bear that out.
7: Yeah, and and the bottom line is this. When it comes to road and bridge repair, you can't fake it, right? You drive over these roads, you drive over these bridges, everyone knows whether they're fixed or not. People routinely will, you know, anybody who does any, you know, driving out of South Carolina, say in the North Carolina and Georgia will say there's a big difference between the quality of roads in those states versus South Carolina.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've always heard that. So, so any recommendations? How do we fix that problem or uh, aside from not increasing the gas tax to begin with, which obviously, well, uh,
7: the, the, you know, the final, uh, the final two cent increase you know occurs this year uh, uh, there's been some talk about well do we want to increase it even more <laughs> um, after uh, after the uh, 12 cent uh, tax increase you know expires mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's a matter of getting back to holding lawmakers accountable to what they promise that money for yeah. when you're when you're spending you know designating money for, and I'm not saying these things are not worthy. For example, interstate widenings or what they call rural safety projects, which are um, things like widening shoulders, for example, or putting in guardrails. Um, most folks would say, well, those aren't bad things. Okay. But when you've got, you know, horrible roads you're driving over, should not, you know, that money be concentrated first? you
1: know, on, on the worst roads and the worst bridges. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, another another thing that was said, and we've got to go to a quick break here, Rick, can you stick with us? Sure. Yeah. Another thing that was said in 2016 was, Hey, you know, gas is so cheap. You guys aren't really going to notice a few more cents in a gas tax per gallon. And of course (laughs) now, thanks to Joe Biden and his friends, gas is not cheap. So it's a uh, whole different well, ballgame. So, folks, we're talking to Rick, Rick Brundrett with The Nerve. The Thenerve.org is where you can find them, and Rick's going to stick with us for another segment. So join us uh, with more, Rick, after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
6: Hi, folks. Berlin Wolf here with Carolina Cool. The winter weather lingers on and keeps us closed in our homes and offices. And we continue to hear news regarding the flu, colds, and other nasty variants as we try to stay healthy. While the guidelines continue to encourage hand-washing and sanitizing services, indoor air filtration technology is still a strong part of these conversations. Carrier has long been a leader in indoor air quality with the Infinity Air Purifier. This built-in device has a patented germicidal technology that is so effective, it captures and kills 99% of airborne pathogens. It is literally the same technology used in many hospitals. Carolina Cool's team of indoor air quality advisors can show you this and other options to safeguard your home. Turn to the experts with Carrier and Carolina Cool. Now that's cool and clean. Carolina Cool.
8: Like a, like a two-shot.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. We are talking with Rick Brundrett with The Nerve, where government gets exposed. You can find The Nerve online at thenerve.org. Rick does great investigative journalism uh, at The Nerve, and we thank him for joining us on the program, Gone, Gone Like Your Last Paycheck, Gone Like Your Gas Tax Money. We were talking about that just before the break. And, Rick, I wanted to switch gears a little bit to, you know, we've got two other little items that caught my attention. One is the story you wrote about Boeing and Volvo. It's one thing to talk about corporate welfare, but this appears to be corporate welfare that wasn't even adequately disclosed to the General Assembly. Uh, did I miss something? And, we and by the way, we've only got about three minutes, so we need to be, you know, we're going to hit the high notes here on these two stories.
7: Sure. Sure. Um... Well, it wasn't disclosed to the public. That's the most important thing. Um, when the State Department of Commerce came out with its uh, proposed budget for the um, uh, fiscal year, it starts uh, next, you know, July 1, uh, they initially said we want $100 million extra for something called the Strategic Economic Development Infrastructure Program. Then they amended later amended their budget request to $150 million, which is what uh, Governor McMaster um, proposed in his state um, spending plan. But they didn't give any details on what it really was about. It was just very vague language. It said, well, we can't, we normally spend money on infrastructure on specific projects, but we can't keep taking this approach. We have to take, you know, a different kind of approach um, because it's paramount to our um, economic success in this state. No details. Well, yeah. so I, you know, wrote stories that they weren't releasing details. Submitted a Freedom of Information Act request to Commerce for some records to figure out what this was all about and uh, got back some records with some internal emails which said, well, about 70 million of the 150 million are actually for specific projects, even though in their public documents for their budget request, they said, well, this is not for specific projects, but their internal documents said differently. About that, that 70 million roughly would be going for to help uh, Boeing expand, Um, it would take uh, would be expanding and relocating uh, a radar facility at the uh, Charleston International Airport, and also relocating, uh, you know, uh, the main entrance, you know, road there as well. Rick, let me let me stop you
1: there. I tell you what, can you hold on for one more break with us? Yeah, we'll bring you back after the break. I want to wrap this up, (laughs) folks, with Rick Brundrett. We're running short on time. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. We're talking to Rick Brundrett, folks. We'll be right back after these words with the second hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty. And, Greg, the question on everybody's mind these days, what is going on with this real estate market now?
4: We have just come off three straight months of rising single-family home inventory, coupled with three straight months of slightly decreasing home sales. So what that tells us is the beginning of the shift is on. That frenzied market we felt this summer is really over. With And we're at the beginning of a shifting market. So this means if you've been waiting, waiting for this continued run up in the market, the time to get your property on the market is right now before things change more.
1: Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty at 843-251-2693. Or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand.
0: This is ninety four point five WTKN, Murrell's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. The one and only Dan Bongino. We face noon on Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours, full hours on Talk ninety four point five.
4: dark-haired girl in a Cadillac. A main street of an old forgotten town. And sunlight shines
1: fine white lines on weathered Good morning, everybody. Signs. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 8.08 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on the bonus Second Cup Hour of Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope the Second Cup is treating you just as good as the first cup did. We are talking to Rick Brundritt of uh, The Nerve. Rick, thanks for sticking with us here on the show. You've, you've been very patient with us through a couple of breaks, and I really appreciate that. Speaking of, uh, and by the way, speaking of dark-haired girls and Cadillacs, I want to give a shout-out to my lovely bride who brought me my laptop. So I'm no, I'm no longer doing this show uh, from memory. So uh, thank you, Lee, for that. You are uh, my hero. So, uh, Rick, I want to thank you for sticking with us. Um, it has, uh, as we said, we were talking just before the break about a story you did about recent economic development initiatives involving Boeing and Volvo and whether they were disclosed to the public, which is important. You know, there's a, a little a lot of people don't realize this, but in the Freedom of Information Act, there is an exception for matters related to economic development. But it's always been my view that once that that's for recruitment and once you attract the company, to the state, then the terms of the deal, the ongoing relationship between, for instance, the state of South Carolina and Boeing and the state of South Carolina and Volvo, should be fully open to disclosure. Am I, am I missing something?
7: No, I mean, uh, you hit it, uh, hit the nail right on the head, and that's the problem, is that I've spent uh, a number of years looking at these uh, incentives deals, and the problem is, is that uh, they'll make a big announcement. Uh, that uh, the XYZ corporation is coming to South Carolina or expanding but it'll take me months to get any records you know on on the details of of how taxpayer money would be spent
1: yeah and, and we're often difficult. talking about hundreds of millions of dollars right
7: correct correct and so um, these um, sometimes when these announcements are made are being made they'll dribble out a little bit of the uh, some of the news on the taxpayer costs, but not the full cost. And that's, uh, that's why I have to submit Freedom Information Act requests to get these um, actual contracts and to see what the state is committing over many, many years um, for these projects. And and that's a, pro- that's a big problem because it, we're talking about um, taxpayer money. They have a right to know exactly how that money's being spent yeah, um where it's going. they can decide they can decide for themselves whether it's a good investment but at the very least and this is where i come in they have a right to know exactly down to the penny how their money is going to be spent and uh unfortunately and it's it's still the case that we just don't get that information um very quickly it's it's dribbled out um to the public, and and they don't really get a full picture. Amen. Uh, amen. By the way,
1: I think and you're ab- you're absolutely right. The public, as taxpayers, have a right to know where their money is being spent. Period. Full stop. End of story.
5: Right. And, and that should asking, that should be. A, I'm not no. asking
1: to
7: know to learn about trade secrets. Yeah. Of you know whatever these companies are producing, that's none of that's none of uh, that's none of my business. Well, let, what let, is let, my business as a journalist is how that tax money is being spent.
1: Amen. I'll give you a ding for that. Let me switch gears real quick. As expected, uh, this is a story that you also wrote this week about our own uh, affairs here in Orie County caught my attention for obvious reasons. As expected, this is again Rick Brundrett in the nerve writing this week. As expected, Orie County legislative delegation members last week nominated former House member Alan Clemens as the county's new master and equity judge. But House and Senate members who make up the delegation did not nominate Clemens, who himself has been a longtime delegation member. During a public meeting in Oree County, as initially scheduled, instead they did it in secret while in session in Columbia. With most of them signing, most of them signing a circulated letter that was sent to Governor Henry McMaster, who will decide whether to appoint Clemens to the six-year, six-figure seat. Whether Clemens' nomination letter complied with state law is questionable. The South Carolina Supreme Court, in a 1996 ruling, indicated. That a county legislative delegation is a public body under the Freedom of Information Act, same law that we were just talking about, which requires that votes on official business be done in open meetings. The state's top court has said that circulating a nomination letter among delegation members could be done, but during an open meeting where the public is able to glean the results and see how each member voted. Besides that, still reading Rick Brundrett in the nerve, your story. Besides that, according to a 2007 opinion uh, written by McMaster when he was the state attorney general, the attorney general's office in a different delegation matter said that state law that applied in the case didn't permit the circulation of a letter or petition as a vote and as a substitute for a physical meeting. So, Rick, what real quick, we're out of time, but what is going on? With this nomination of Alan Clemens in Orie County, and great work, by the way, to dig all this out. But what, what what's your take on what's happening?
7: Well, again, uh, it's a matter of transparency. The the delegation has the right, you know, to nominate whoever they want, but the it should be done in public, not by just you know circulating a letter while you're in, in session at the state house. Um, there was a meeting that was scheduled initially in public at the Orie County courthouse. Uh, On February the 4th in the morning for uh, the delegation to decide among the three candidates, Clemens was one of them, on who they're going to nominate. Well, two of them, uh, at least according to my research, dropped out um, before then. And so what the delegation did was just nominate Clemens by circulating a letter um, privately while they were in session in Columbia, not taking a a vote, an on-the-record vote, it should have been. In Orie County, you know, to nominate Clemens. Yeah. So, and this is, this is, you know, this is not a minor. Um, uh, this is not like an appointment to a volunteer board. This is for a full time job. Um, Clemens' predecessor was making close to, you know, a hundred and you know, ninety thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So
1: this uh, it's a big. It's a it's was, an important job. It's a big job.
7: Right, and it goes back to a larger issue of you know, if you're a former lawmaker, do you have, you know, have connections is it a lot easier um, uh, to become, you know, to get an appointment like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think the historical evidence shows, yes, it's a lot
1: easier. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, Rick, I want to thank you for all the hard work, the energetic work that you guys do, the, the detail work that you guys do at the Nerve, ferreting out these details, being persistent, fighting for uh, disclosure and sunlight. Uh, if folks want to support the work of the Nerve, how can they get in touch with you all?
7: Well, they can go to the Nerve.org and you can um, you can donate right um, right from the Nerve you know, right on the Nerve site. Um, we're part of a, you know, nonprofit organization, and so uh, we rely on donations. It's very important um, to keep our work going.
1: Yeah. Well, Rick, I really enjoy talking to you. I always appreciate having you on the show because you're always so informative and you do such great work. And I just want to thank you again for all the work that you all do and keep it up and come back on the show anytime, my friend.
7: Thank you very much, Reese. Really appreciate it. All
1: right. Y'all take care, folks. It's Rick Brundrett with The Nerve. Check them out at thenerve.org. And after these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. We'll be talking to Bill Taylor, so stick around. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. This is Saturday Morning Coffee. Don't leave town. Yes,
8: well, you fine, and you speak of a revolution like it's
4: someplace that you've been where you've been.
0: morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour is now two full hours more reese coming up next on talk 94.5
1: Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Scott, why would folks be well-served to contact Pyle Financial Services if they need assistance with their financial planning?
9: Reese, wrapping your wealth around your purpose is not just a slogan. It is the heart and soul of our firm, and how we do that is getting to know you and making sure you know your purpose. Then our keep more strategy is deployed. We want you to keep more so you can spend more, and then you can give more, and then one day you can leave more. And just this year, Pile Financial Services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker-dealer out of Dallas, Texas.
1: It's Pile Financial Services. Reach them anytime at 843 945 4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Powell Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose.
3: Liz Calloway here for Conway Ford, your hometown dealership. Buying a vehicle is a big decision. You spent hours online researching vehicles, reading reviews, and now you're ready to buy. Conway Ford makes your buying experience easy and stress-free. Over 100 pre-owned vehicles in stock and new inventory arriving daily. Conway Ford's buying experience is easier than their competitors and they guarantee it. For the best buying experience, take the short drive to Conway Ford. Exceeding expectations every day.
0: Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 820 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, February 12. I want to thank Rick Brundrett again for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. By the way, um, Doug Floyd checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line, NFL, question mark, what is that? So that's a good question. Quite a few of you checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. In fact, Larry Biddle checking in, Bobby the Vapor. Checking in. Good morning to y'all. Thanks for your comments. Also heard from James from Myrtle Beach, Andy Thompson. Uh, A couple of new ones. Uh, Maserati Gary checking in. Good morning, Maserati Gary. Is that Cadillac Gary renamed? Is, has, I don't has know. Cadillac Gary upgraded to Maserati status? I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. So Albert checking in and uh, Jesse the Horseman checking in. Oh, good to hear from all of you. Jason from Conway checking in. And, uh, so Shoot, thanks. Jason was up real early Yeah, Jason morning. was up early this morning. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for your comments here on the show. By the way, folks, I wanted to bring you all up to date uh, as we introduce our next guest, one of my favorite guests, Representative Bill Taylor, who represents Aiken in the General Assembly in the House of Representatives, the South Carolina House of Representatives caught my attention this week with an attorney general's opinion that he asked for and has now been issued. And it's, it, it ties into something that we're all seeing. Again, I think folks that the theme here, which ties into the Canadian trucker segment that with the Freedom Convoy segment that we did at the outset of the show, is that people are tired of being told what to do. It's as simple as that. It's no more complicated than that. And as a lawyer in my law practice, I have been speaking with physicians. It's not just truckers, folks. It's not just it's not just any one class of people. It's anybody who is concerned about freedom. It's anybody who is concerned about your God-given, inalienable rights, which should be, ding-ding, all of us. If you're not concerned about your inalienable, God-given rights, you're not thinking correctly, and you need to go back to square one and rethink your worldview and your approach to things because those rights are are under assault. I've been uh, communicating in my law firm with various physicians who've been telling me a few of us, not a a few physicians who have told me we're being told how to practice medicine and we want to know what our rights are. What would you recommend? So we've counseled uh, some of these individuals because again, folks a recurring theme here. We're mixing politics with medicine, just like the NFL mixed politics with football hospital systems, the CDC, the NIH, your government, Dr. Fauci, Joe Biden, the whole clown patrol are mixing medicine and politics, and the doctors don't like it, and they shouldn't like it, and they should not tolerate it, folks. They should not tolerate it. Doctors are coming to us saying, hey, what, what do you recommend in this circumstance when we don't feel free to talk in, in a setting and, and, it, and we feel like it's compromising uh, patient care? And guess what, folks? It is compromising patient care anytime you muzzle your doctor's ability to think and do his job uh, guess what you are muzzling the person who's taking care of you and when you do that you're not going to get good care um by the way there's a woman that was on um uh glennbeck and her husband her name is uh ann quiner and her husband scott quiner was in the hospital in minnesota And under the guidelines in Minnesota, he had COVID. He became acute. The only thing that the hospital would do for him was put him on a ventilator and give him tranquilizers. She had to go to court to get custody of her husband from the hospital and take her husband to Texas, where she was able to get him the care that she thought he needed. By the way, Mr. Quiner, Scott Quiner, has now passed away. So I want to remember Scott uh, this morning on Saturday Morning Coffee. He is one of many victims, who knows how many, but he's one of many victims who probably would have had a better, sh- who definitely would have had a better shot at survival if somebody had been more open-minded about the way they treated his condition. And, and I've got doctors calling me saying, hey, we can't be open-minded about the way we treat our patients because we're not free to speak. So right. it caught my attention this week when I saw just yesterday, February 11, your attorney general, Alan Wilson, issued an attorney general's opinion to uh, Representative Bill Taylor of the South Carolina House of Representatives, frequent guest here on Saturday Morning Coffee, who had requested a, an opinion because hospitals, This he says, you express concern, dear Representative Taylor. He also addressed it to Senator Shane Martin. Uh, to the two of them, dear Senator Martin and Representative Taylor, you've expressed concern that hospitals across our state are refusing to allow doctors to prescribe or their hospital pharmacies to dispense. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or other off label use medications for treatment of COVID 19. You go back to, you go on to cite South Carolina's Right to Try Act, et cetera, et cetera. So my experience is not isolated. I was very keen to see the attorney general issue this opinion. It is a huge step in the right direction. And the gentleman who prompted uh, this attorney general, Representative Bill Taylor, our good friend from Aiken, joins us now here on Saturday Morning Coffee to bring us up to date on what brought this opinion about, and where we are. So, Representative Taylor, welcome to the show.
5: Reese, it's always great to be with you. i got my coffee in hand. It's French roast, I might add, so I'm having coffee with Reese. I'm good.
2: You're good to go. I love it when they tell us what kind of coffee they're drinking. I love it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, I was so excited. I, I really, I read this opinion. It is excellent work. Um, tell us how you got in the middle of this. I know you've been working this issue for many months. What, what's What's your take on where we are?
5: Well, uh, this is a really important opinion, and uh, uh, typically an attorney general's opinion takes anywhere from three to six weeks. Uh, this one was turned around in a week. Uh, they put uh, all of their efforts on that. The uh, solicitor general who works for the attorney general, Bob Cook, he and his team went to work on this. The minute uh, I sent them the letter, they got a conference call and called me and and, uh, and we talked it through, and then they worked on it. And, and you don't know what their opinion is going to be. They actually research all the law and, uh, and be able to come to some legal conclusion. So it's not like, hey, would you guys write this for me? It, it doesn't work that way. So uh, this is a really important uh, opinion. Uh, we all know, and you just commented about this, that uh, all the COVID treatment in America has been politicized and has become very contentious. Um, it's it's really resulted in a lot of unnecessary deaths. It's pitted the doctors against the hospitals and the pharmacies. Uh, we know that hospitals, I mean, you talked about it, and we, we know this from here at Aiken and elsewhere, uh, hospitals have withheld or um, uh, restricted the treatment using the drugs uh, that are known to speed the recovery. Those are the uh, ivermectin and the uh, hydroxychloroquine, Uh, pharmacies have actually refused to fill those prescriptions, calling for those drugs. Interestingly, those drugs have been around for years, 40 years in some cases. And 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 are proven safe? Absolutely. proven used all over the world and uh, all of a sudden because Big Pharma wants their drugs to be used and all of this, uh, these drugs can't be used. This is wrong. The Attorney General's opinion looked at, and what's really important, it looked at all this case law all over, and uh, not only in South Carolina, but literally all over the country, and uh, it's really very clear. Doctors, doctors can absolutely practice medicine. Now, remember, they're practicing. They're not perfect, but they can practice medicine, and they can use off-label drugs. And, and off-label aren't like black market secret drugs. You know, off-label drugs are simply... Um, they're legal, they're commonly used. One out of five prescriptions is off-label. That means that, uh, the it, you know, initially it was meant to treat this, and now they're finding out it helps to treat that. And uh, I guess uh, one example was Botox was a great one. Yeah. It was approved uh, years ago for... Muscular eye disorder, and gosh, today, guess what? You know, get a get, get a botox shot and look better. You know, so mm-hmm. that's off-label. Yep. At any rate, doctors and you talked about that just a moment ago, but but doctors are having get this. This is America; they're having to work in secret. They're having to work behind the scenes. Do you know and this is this is startling to me? And I know it to be fact. I've seen the letters that doctors who are using these these techniques to, to save people's lives and get them cured out of COVID fast. I mean, within a day, a couple of days, within a week, um, uh, they're getting letters from their accreditation agency threatening them to remove their accreditation if they get caught doing this. Yeah. So some doctors have literally said to their staff, shh, let's do this on the down low. Let's not tell anybody. One doctor told me just this week, he's, He's absolutely cured fifty people.
1: Well, and it's uh, astonishing. And- it's astonishing, Bill. They're coming to see us and saying, "Hey, what do you recommend? How do we handle this?" Because I go to these staff meetings, and mm-hmm. I'm af- I'm afraid to tell the other physicians in the hospital what is working. I mean this this is cuckoo, Bill. This is cuckoo for coca well, It's Crazy,
5: yeah, and, and and it's killing people. So you know, one of the things that, that this uh, attorney general's opinion does. it it codifies and sort of brings together all of this this law. And uh, it gives real uh, encouragement and some hold this in your hand for brave doctors, um, you know, who who really want to use these methods. Uh, And for hospitals, I think this is a serious warning to them. Now, you know, they're, the hospitals are, are advised and I think run by the, the legal beagles, the big corporate the mm. legal guys, you okay. know, and they want to protect themselves. And we're following the CDC guidelines, you know, well, lucky them, you know. And you, you follow the guidelines so you don't get sued. On the other hand, people are dying. You, you, you know, you if, you if you go on a ventilator, do you know the stats?
3: Oh, it's awful. You know,
1: it's like you got a 5% 80, chance.
5: 80, 80, yeah, 80, 80 to 90 percent, more often 90 percent, you'll never get off the the, yeah. uh, the ventilator. You're, it's, a, it's a death certificate. So, we, oh, um, God, I mean, when doctors say to you, doctors say, whatever you do, don't go to the hospital. Now, when the hell have we ever said stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it's great. Is there any way, have y'all thought about how we can hold some of these licensing and accounting, uh, you know, hold some of these professional uh regulatory boards accountable for for threatening these people
5: well I'm, I'm i'm going off on the deep end here but i've already before this I, I i knew on thursday what the opinion was going to be when it was finally you know released on mm-hmm. friday morning yesterday morning yeah. uh, I, called the governor, I called the governor's office and uh, we had a long serious talk i gave them forewarning it was coming out they should look at this because there's things they can do with the DHEC and there's things they can do with the licensing uh, board at the LLR and all of this. And they said, we're on it. So I, I can't speak for them and I wouldn't yeah. presume to, but I hope they're looking at what they can do within state government to say, you know, Hey, stop this. Here's the key to this. Hospitals better pay attention to this. You know, the corporate guys will go, ah, it's just an opinion. Hey, Hey, That opinion shows all the case law that stands in favor of the doctors and their special relationship with patients. You know, and I, I venture to say that if someone files a suit or they're they're, you get a criminal case against a hospital, I venture to say a jury would not look very favorably on a hospital that restricted the treatment to a dying patient while the doctor is advocating for proven alternative COVID treatment, basically. This is this is a real warning to them. Yep. Do the right thing. Let the doctors do practice the medicine. medicine. Yeah, there's plenty of case law that says the hospital shouldn't get involved at yeah. all.
1: Exactly, and,
5: I, and they they they've turned this damn thing upside down, and people are dying and it. Wrong. I don't
1: I don't know that there's any way to hold physicians accountable because they, of course, they rely on the the stated standards of care that are published by the CDC and the NIH and the, all the government. Uh, Mandates and, but the hospitals that are interfering with the practice of medicine, I think that might be a different story. So
5: yeah, and, but, but by the way, we we also uh, in in the state of South Carolina during COVID, we we uh, uh, passed uh, some statutes that, that gave doctors a lot of latitude and some immunity for all of this. I yeah. mean that you know no, yeah. so you treat patients the way you need to. We're a pretty enlightened state, you know. Um, a heck of a lot more enlightened than some of those blue states.
1: Yeah, but that's you crazy. you've got a lot of physicians out there, Bill, who may not fear being sued for, for instance, giving somebody ivermectin, particularly when it's informed consent and the patient's what the patient wants. That's but they're af- they're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of wrecking their political politi- uh, their political their physician's career. Yeah. you know. So,
5: well, and, and that's absolutely true. And I think you know I I'm thrilled with this. Can I tell you a little backstory, just real quickly? Yeah. That, Normally, Attorney General opinions are signed by the Solicitor General who runs that area, South Carolina Solicitor General, Bob Cook, great guy. Uh, Alan Wilson went in uh, and said, hold that up until Friday morning. I want to sign it personally. This is a big statement on his part.
1: I want to thank you for all that you've done. You're doing great work. The fight for freedom yes, goes on, and it doesn't matter whether you're a physician, a trucker, or a representative in the South Carolina House of Representatives, and you, sir, are doing great work. We're proud of you. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, come back on the show and join us anytime. How can folks find you online, Bill?
5: Uh, my website is uh, it's just taylorschouse.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I send out legislative newsletters keep you all informed believe in transparency like you guys were talking about earlier so just taylorschouse.com
1: excellent thank you so much representative taylor folks It's representative bill taylor a true freedom fighter stick with us folks we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more saturday morning coffee i'm reese Boyd. don't leave town
0: Three seven nine eight talk Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5
3: Come enjoy the best breakfast, brunch and lunch on the Grand Strand at X-Up Grill. X-Up Grill offers great tasting and freshly prepared meals with friendly service every day X-Up Grill puts a smile on your face with delicious classic breakfast and lunch items that are available 6am to 2pm every day The waffles, omelets, French toast, burgers, sandwiches, and wraps are to die for and are favorites of people all over the area. Locally owned, in the Market Commons, Burrell's Inlet on 707 and soon on International Drive.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty. And, Greg, you've been in this market for over 24 years locally. How does that experience translate to
4: benefit your clients? You're right, Reese. Doing this for 24 years, we've learned a few things. And we specialize in better communication, giving our clients more peace of mind, and just handling all the details, streamlining the process.
1: So how do you coach a buyer who's involved in an environment where there are multiple offers being Submitted for properties that are moving quickly.
4: You've got to have a buyer that absolutely has to have the property, meaning the motivation is there. Going in strong with terms and price is the way you win in this market. Folks,
1: that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, eXp Realty, at 843 251 2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand.
0: You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5.
8: Riding on the city of New Orleans, Illinois Central, Monday morning. Writers, we it, 25 sacks of
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 840 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging with us here on the program. Got a special treat for y'all. We're joined in the studio now for uh, the, the rest of the show with us. Uh, with a special guest host, Tom Heron, joining me here on Saturday morning coffee.
8: I, when I sat down, Reese, I realized. Do you know how much trouble the listeners are in with the two of us? Oh, man. It's at we're, the same time.
1: It's a double team, and, and we're. And
8: then you got Glenn over there. Between this, this is a triumvirate of really trouble. Yeah,
1: trouble. we're uh, the inmates are running the asylum as we always <laughs> do on the weekends. I at, know nothing. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I hear nothing. I know nothing. I see nothing. But uh, we're also joined in the studio by our own uh, solicitor, Jimmy Richardson, who joins us to give us an update on some recent uh, comings and goings at the solicitor's office, an update on his campaign. How are you doing, Jimmy?
10: Doing great, doing great. I'm telling you, I know you would have to uh, pay some royalties, but Glenn picks the best music, so... Uh, it's gotta be, and I'll uh, take 100% credit for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he can take full credit for that one. That was I, not, that
2: was I good don't get that. enough pats on the back. No, you don't get
1: enough <laughs> pats on the back. But uh, you wallet. know, I will I will just share this little Saturday morning <laughs> secret uh, with you, Jimmy. The playlist here at Saturday Morning Coffee is the iPod playlist of uh, Reese Boyd III. <laughs> oh, very
8: and it, it's, good.
1: It's uh, it's I always run through, scroll through my iPod. But Glenn does great work. He actually did pick that. You did pick that one out. That was well, a, that was different. That, that was that. That. that was a little Dylan, wasn't it?
2: No, that's our, uh, Arlo Guthrie. Arlo Guthrie. Yeah, Arlo
1: Guthrie. Yeah, that was excellent. Because I I had suggested the song, but I sent you a, uh, I sent you the Willie Nelson version. Well, I actually, actually like that one a little
2: better. Oh, and and well, we had that in the inventory. Yeah, um, but you know that uh, the uh, C W McCall Breaker One Nine. Oh, yeah. Convoy. Uh, you know, Convoy. song, nineteen seventy five. I told him I still have the album. Oh, right. I don't have many albums, I, man, but I kept that one for some reason. That is
8: awesome. Reese, Reese, excuse me, all you have to do yeah. to talk about good music is listen to my show. And I know you don't do that because you're out of here on Saturday and you're on your way. Yep. Glenn and I are sitting here. We're playing the greatest hits of American history. Yeah, very the, good. The best. You know, no,
3: I
10: do. I, I listen to it. Uh, and Tom's right. It, it is really, really good, especially a different national anthem um, every day. Every yep. day. Yeah, yep. I love
1: that part. And I do usually catch. I do usually stick around long enough to at least catch the national anthem um jimmy how's the campaign going i hear i hear you had a an event at inlet affairs how did that go i heard it was well attended
10: uh yeah we had um we had uh over 100 people and uh, you know in times of COVID, that's pretty incredible um but uh it has been it's just been incredible incredible outpouring um you know i have my campaign manager was telling me he said you know this is uh, sort of a rarity. You are a veteran when it comes to prosecution, but you're an absolute rookie when it comes to uh, having to run for something. But I've been, uh, you know, I've run on a post for like um, two terms, and this is the first time I've had to worry about any of that. So it is, it's a different hat. And, um, and you know, you hope yeah. uh, that you can just go out, put the nose to the grindstone, do good work, but... Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily always cut it. People can uh, look at the same sheet of paper and say, you know, have a different opinion uh, mm-hmm. of your success rate. And, um, and and we are in an area that uh, has just a tremendous growth. So there's not a lot of people that have lived here for 20 and 30 and 40 years, you know, so – um, all of that, uh, is things that you never think about until you're challenged on it. But yeah. it has been an incredible. It's been an incredible time, and and I am glad, as crazy as it sounds, Tom, that uh, I have had the opportunity to uh, at least have some opposition and and you know to stretch my wings in that
1: side of it. Well. Sometimes, you know, a little opposition can make you better, yeah. but we all want to keep our job. And by the way, you've done great work. I think uh, the consensus that I've, I've never heard, the only people I tell people, the only people I've ever heard, the bar likes you, um, the general public likes you, anybody who knows you likes you in my experience. The only people that I've ever heard speak poorly of Jimmy Richardson are people that you've put in jail. <laughs> and I don't put a lot of credence in those opinions for obvious reasons.
8: Um, well, we uh, we still do that here in South Carolina. Yeah, we do. That. We actually put people in jail, unlike New York.
1: There, there is one, uh, there is one serious case that I wanted to ask you about, Jimmy. If I can, I noticed y'all put a press release out this week. I'm looking at your Facebook page, the uh, 15th Judicial Circuit Solicitors Office Facebook page. Oree County jury convicts man in 2019 fatal shooting. 15th Circuit Circuit Solicitor Jimmy Richardson announced that on Wednesday, February 9, an O'Ree County jury convicted a North Myrtle Beach man in a fatal shooting of a 32-year-old man, Uh, Sebastian Kask, 21, uh, of North Myrtle Beach, was convicted of murder and possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime in the shooting death of 32-year-old Tyler Schaefer in 2019. Said Seth Oskin, assistant solicitor, who, along with Rachel Hart, assistant solicitor, prosecuted the case for the 15th Circuit Solicitor's Office. Judge Stephen DeBerry presided over the case. Sentenced case to 48 years in prison. He ordered case to serve 43 for the murder, with, uh, which is a no-parole offense, and five years for the weapons charge, which will run uh, consecutively. Uh, On July 14, this is the part that just broke my heart, uh, Jimmy. On July 14, 2019, Case went looking for Schaefer regarding an alleged debt owed to him, which was $200. -hmm. Case found Schaefer outside the Bilo grocery store, walked uh, with him to a road near Schaefer's home uh, with a gun. Schaefer was sitting on the ground, and Case filmed him begging to call his children. Case denied him the opportunity and instead told him to say whatever you want for heaven or hell, wherever you want to go and shot him, literally filmed the murder.
10: Yeah, and at the bottom of that, if anybody wants to go to the, to our website, or I guess it's been picked up by uh, local and national, but you can actually see the video of um, uh, the victim begging uh, to call his kids, uh, and uh, at the end of that video, uh, Case tells him, I'm filming this um, for my G's. Um, so... Um, you know, G's could mean a lot of things. To me, it means uh, for my other gangsters for or gangbangers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, as an OG. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's what he's doing, and uh, I mean, this guy, the the defendant uh, case, was like 18 years old. Yeah. Now we see stuff and hear stuff about this in um, you know Boston or you know uh, other places. Exactly. But how cold-hearted to just sit there and video it. And if you're on the ground...
1: And he's not just videoing it. He's putting it on TikTok. Yeah.
10: He published it, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Snapchat. Snapchat. Uh, But, uh, yes, he's publishing all of that stuff. And then, um, in addition to his filming it, uh, the the store owner um, also had video that didn't have the audio portion of that, but it shows the two shots. So, um, just... um, a horrible situation. But when people come out and tell you, and I get beat up all the time for this, and um, Senator Hembree's getting beat up over it now, but, um, you know, drugs are a victimless crime, all of this stuff. Um, I bet Mr. Case uh, wouldn't tell you that. No. He, you know, he owes 200 bucks, and um, that's that's how it was collected.
1: It's, and what does it say about society, Jimmy? Where are we? When our young people can not only do that, but just with the cold, as you said, with the callousness, sit there and film it. Yeah. Uh, Can you stick with us for a quick break? Yeah, please. Folks, we're uh, talking to Jimmy Richardson, our uh, esteemed and honorable solicitor for the 15th Judicial Circuit. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services.
9: pamela and i have always cherished that we get to live on the coast of south carolina what a privilege it is to serve our friends and neighbors along the grand strand and beyond with clients in 27 states and just this year pile financial services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker dealer out of dallas texas As we look to celebrate and ring in the new year, now is the time to review your financial relationships. 2022 could be a year of much volatility with elections, midterms, and potential tax law changes. If you don't have an advisor you trust, call Pile Financial Services at 843-945-4480.
1: Or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com It's Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose.
0: Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Well, you've done it again. It's 8.52. You've made it to the final parting wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee. They're still joined in the studio by our solicitor, Jimmy Richardson, and that's fine because he's a very wise young man, so it's uh, altogether fitting and appropriate that he would join us for the Parting Wisdom segment. And, Tommy, you had something to say about the fact that Jimmy's our solicitor. I use that
8: term loosely because I'm an attorney. Of course you do, and all I wanted to say is I think there are about 100,000 people who have... Uh, moved to Horry County just in the last couple of years. Probably never heard his name and probably have no idea what a solicitor is. So if you're from one of the other states in this country, they're called district attorneys everywhere else. Here it's a solicitor.
1: You are the chief prosecutor for the 15th Judicial Circuit. I always assume people know this, but the 15th Judicial Circuit is Horry and Georgetown Counties.
10: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, one thing, just to close the loop, I would be remiss. Uh, We have 31 attorneys between Uh, Ori in Georgetown, and uh, the young man and young lady that tried this case uh, and put it all together, it started on Monday morning, it ended on Wednesday, uh, but Monday, Seth, was uh, he had worked himself so much that he was physically sick, throwing up, um, dehydrated, there's a lot that goes into it, and these guys don't make an awful lot of money, but I'm telling you I'm blessed with one of the best staffs of um, we, we can get on government and yeah. all of that all the time, but gosh, these guys do a lot, and well, uh, they're just incredible.
1: I, I, I thank you for mentioning those folks, and I was I, they were in the article, they were mentioned in the press release that you guys did, and I think that's a great. And by the way, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what a tough life lawyers have, but most people don't appreciate, Jimmy, have real really no understanding of just how much work goes into prepping uh, for every day in court. It's an astonishing amount of work. That goes goes into adequately prepping a trial.
10: It's tens, if not hundreds of times more work than you see actually in the courtroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And and new people here, they've heard your name now. You deserve their vote. You do a great job. Uh, thank you, Glenn. And you're going to have to vote for somebody, right? Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy for, Richardson. Don't forget to leave your tip.
1: Don't forget to leave your tip with yes. the producer when <laughs> you leave the studio, Jimmy. By the way, Jimmy, there was one other item that caught my attention. Uh, this from the Sun News. Jenna Farhat, Farhat uh, lawsuit South Carolina State Agency responsible for criminal neglect in the death of an elderly Longs woman. A lawsuit filed Thursday alleges that the South Carolina Department of Social Services is responsible for the abuse and neglect of an elderly O'Ree County woman who police said endured long and painful suffering before death. Charges have been filed by the Orie County Police Department against her caregiver, David Constantine 45, who has been charged with abuse or neglect of a vulnerable adult resulting in death. This is an issue that you and I have talked about. Um, I've actually got, we've got some ongoing correspondence about it. We've talked yeah. about it recently. I've talked to the probate court. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of elder abuse cases in our firm. I, I see elder abuse, Jimmy, uh, in institutional settings um, I see a lot of abuse In home care situations I see a lot of theft And by the way If you're a caregiver Who works in the home I'm not I don't want to disparage everybody But but I do see a lot of cases Where there's theft Inside the home We don't want to paint With a, brow, a broad brush But it is a problem And we see a lot of abuse From people who move here They retire They find themselves alone This is an issue We need to work on
10: It's a huge issue It's part of Horry County's Growing Pains You know, it it dovetails nicely into what Tom had spoke about. But 1990, our census, we were at 144,000 people, and we're almost at 400,000 now, second-fastest-growing area in America. Uh, And a lot of our uh, people that are moving here are moving here for the weather and are retirees. So um, our system has not really kept up with that. Um, You know, of course, this woman is accused of... uh, Being a DSS worker, state agency, and not doing their job, Mm -hmm. but it's the population is about tripled on them, and uh, there's no more. They can't keep people working for DSS. Uh, It's it's a really really tough life with a lot of burnout. I'm not trying to make excuses for a real, real bad thing that's accused here, but um, we we've got to think outside the box, and you know it's not today that we should do it. But uh, me and uh, Reese and I have been talking about thinking outside of the box as to h- how to help um, more uh, with uh, even less and less resources. Yeah, you can't just throw money at everything, but sometimes you got to think outside the box. Got to be creative. Yeah, and um, well, and, and we've we've got a huge population that has moved in that's much older.
1: It's something that needs our attention, and we got to be creative about it, and we got to get the. I think the probate. Resources and your resources, the solicitor's office and the law enforcement and DSS to work together, uh, hopefully, to, to combat some of this. Jimmy, I want to thank you for joining us here on the show. Thank you for all that you do. You are doing great work. Keep it up and uh, don't forget to come back anytime you want to talk. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. Folks, uh, it is the parting wisdom segment, and I don't even have time to give you the full parting wisdom segment, but I'm going to give you the abbreviated uh, version. Uh, Randy Wallace sent me this. Uh, the reason Mayberry was so peaceful and quiet was because nobody was married. Andy? <laughs> Andy uh. Andy, Aunt B, Barney, Floyd. Howard, Goober, Gomer, Sam, Ernest T. Bass, Helen, Thelma Lou, Clara, and, of course, Opie were all single. Wow. The only married person was Otis, and he stayed drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So that's the uh, parting wisdom for Saturday Morning Coffee on this February 12th. Folks, let me leave you with this additional bit of real wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great week. Be blessed. We'll see you next week with more Saturday Morning Coffee.